break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here with you on The Punch-Out, 16th of July, 2021. Very happy to be back here with you. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. As we close out this week, we're going to be talking about a big lobbying blitz by Big Pharma, the Afghan endgame, or what seems like it could be the Afghan endgame. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we're going to be talking about COVID-19, which is surging all around the world. Well, despite the desire of just about everyone on Earth to move on from the COVID-19 pandemic, Pandemics are stubborn things, and the so-called Delta variant of the coronavirus is behind a spike happening all around the world, and in Africa in particular. As the New York Times lays out, quote, Namibia and Tunisia are reporting more deaths per capita than any other country. Hospitals across the continent are filling up. Oxygen supplies and medical workers are stretched thin, and recorded deaths jumped 40% last week alone. And here in the United States, COVID is rising in all 50 states. Over the past 14 days, cases are up 121% in the United States and deaths are up 9%. Tennessee, by the way, has seen a 363% increase in cases of late. Arkansas has a 77% increase in hospitalizations over the past two weeks. And Missouri, which is seeing one of the country's worst outbreaks, has a 44% rise in hospitalizations and a 44% increase in deaths. L.A. County in California has reinstated indoor mask mandates after they recorded just over 1,500 cases on Thursday, the highest number since early March. 1,200 scientists this week signed on to a letter in the Lancet Medical Journal decrying plans by the United Kingdom to lift almost all COVID-19 restrictions on Monday. That's despite the fact that the U.K. is seeing cases increase. They're actually at a six-month high. And that's a point seemingly underscored even by some actual officials, government officials. The Guardian newspaper noted, quote, Professor Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer for England, warned on Thursday that the number of people in hospital in the hospital with COVID-19 could reach, quote, quite scary levels within weeks as cases soared caused by the more contagious Delta variant and the lifting of lockdown restrictions, end quote. And the culprit here is. That certainly implicates, and as I mentioned at the outset here, is the spread of the Delta variant all over the world. The Delta variant makes the virus more effective by bonding the virus more tightly to cells. That means you don't need to be exposed to as much of the virus to get COVID-19, which means it can also, of course, spread more quickly. And this, of course, is exactly what was predicted, that the longer the virus is out there, the more chances it has to mutate and the more opportunities those mutations will make the virus more effective and potentially even lead to eroding the effectiveness of vaccines. Now, it's important to note that this has not happened yet and that all the principal vaccines being used from the U.S., China, Russia and Europe 
are effective on the Delta variant, and scientists are tweaking them to make sure they are more so. That being said, the slow pace of vaccinations around the world is the principal issue in why the Delta variant is spreading so fast and why the danger of variants remains so high. In Africa, for example, as the New York Times summarizes, quote, only about 1% of Africans have been fully vaccinated. And even the African Union's modest goal of getting 20% of the population vaccinated by the end of 2021 seems out of reach. Rich nations have bought up most doses long into the future, often far more than they could conceivably need. Hundreds of millions of shots from a global vaccine sharing effort have failed to materialize. End quote. The Times also noted that rich countries are the main culprit, having purchased 1.9 billion doses more than they need to vaccinate their entire populations. The issue is so serious that of the 10.9 billion doses that will most likely be produced this year, only 950 million are left to purchase. And notably, those doses are almost exclusively from China. The plans from G7 countries to start sharing doses with the developing world have yet to materialize in any significant way and, quite frankly, seem pretty pie in the sky at this point with doses trickling out, but not in significant quantities. And that's despite the fact that vaccination drives in many of these wealthy nations have stalled. So overall, the reality is that huge swaths of the world are going to remain with significant unvaccinated populations for the rest of this year and into next year, which means the virus will continue to mutate and the possibility of a vaccine-resistant variant that could set us back to day one continues to loom large. This was, of course, predictable and preventable. And every problem that has arisen, from vaccine apartheid to supply chain shortages, was noted very early in the game. And ultimately, the main blame rests with the United States, who aggressively downplayed the seriousness of the virus and did the absolute bare minimum to address issues of global vaccine production and distribution. In fact, as Public Citizen has noted, for just $25 billion, the United States could have built out the capacity to vaccinate the entire world, but chose not to. Rather than collaborate with China and Russia, the U.S. demonized them massively. When Indian pharmaceutical companies complained of supply chain shortages, the American government said they were lying before quietly relaxing rules that were causing them. Four million people have died from COVID. Many more will die because of this state of affairs. And we could end up with variants this year. That will mean millions of people who were already vaccinated could also die. All of this because the richest countries on earth, with the most capacity, chose not to lead. We all want it to be over, but the reality is it isn't, and serious action is needed, a worldwide mobilization, in fact, if we want to turn the corner. The Afghan endgame, or at least this phase of it, the end of the U.S. instituted war here, seems to be coming, kind of, sort of, into view. One thing that is 100% clear is that the Taliban is absolutely in the driver's seat. They control the vast majority of districts in the country and have been making gains even in the north of the country, the traditional base of the so-called Afghan government. Notably, they have also been seizing key border towns, including recently one on the border with Pakistan, also another on the border with Iran. And in fact, the Pakistani government today is pushing back on allegations by the Afghan government that they provided close air support to the Taliban to allow them to take an important border crossing in Kandahar province. Talks between the Taliban and Afghanistan's de facto government are continuing in the coming days. They may even be happening today, although that's a little unclear. And also, there was a round of talks that recently took place in Iran, a notable venue given the long-term enmity between the Taliban and Iran. 
The Iran meeting is particularly notable because it speaks to the Taliban's diplomatic offensive designed to assure its neighbors it's a responsible partner, which clearly is the main ingredient in making sure there isn't much outside interference in them taking over the country. The Taliban has also put quite a bit into courting China, assuring them that they want to work together in economic development, and they've got nothing to fear from any sort of anti-China militants being harbored in Afghanistan. China, for their part, has also noted they feel comfortable in general with the Taliban and has outlined its policy of non-interference and endorsed a future government setup on Islamic principles. That being said, China has also sent some shots across the bow. At a recent meeting of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization's Afghanistan Working Group in Tajikistan, the Chinese foreign minister made sure to say that the Taliban must break more cleanly with any quote-unquote terrorist organizations. They have also upgraded the status of the working group itself and promised more support to Central Asian neighbors of Afghanistan who, along with Russia, fear a Taliban government seeking to destabilize all of Central Asia. They also have been openly pressuring, that's China, by the way, Pakistan on this front of getting the Taliban to break cleanly from various groups and continue to maintain very close relations with the de facto government in Kabul. China and also Iran, it seems, want stability above all else and seem to hope they can leverage some sort of coalition government between Kabul and the Taliban that while the Taliban might dominate things, would keep things relatively calm. The Taliban, it seems, is signaling that they're open to this sort of arrangement, but they seem to be trying to make the coalition more of a fig leaf than a reality. Either way, the fears of a total Afghan meltdown in the wake of the U.S. withdrawal, while certainly possible, seem fairly overblown for now. But of course, there are many complicated threads here, but with the U.S. on track to leave in the next few months, it won't take long to see what course things will head in Central Asia. Last week, President Joe Biden signed an executive order to have the FDA, that's the Food and Drug Administration, start importing drugs from Canada to lower the price of prescription drugs. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon has introduced a bill to allow Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices that comes close to matching a bill already passed by the House of Representatives that does the same thing. Senator Bernie Sanders has introduced a bill that both expands Medicare in general and allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices in a broader package that may be folded into the broader infrastructure push happening now. The Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa says he stands ready to push forward a Republican proposal on drug prices that really just tinkers around the edges, but which nevertheless is out there and is probably more than Big Pharma would want to see, and that already has the support of some conservatives. On top of all of that, the Biden administration has come out in favor of a temporary lifting of patent protections on COVID-19 vaccines. So you may not be surprised to hear that the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, or Pharma, see what they did there? The trade group for Big Pharma has already spent $8.6 million on lobbying in the first quarter of 2021 alone. Last year, by the way, they spent the most of any lobbying group dropping $92 million in D.C. in 2020. And the $8.6 million they have spent so far this year, well, really in the first quarter, so they've spent more than that now, has bought pharma 165 lobbyists, 75% of whom formerly worked in the government, showing how that revolving door between government and lobbying is still operating quite smoothly. You might say it hasn't been fundamentally changing. Big Pharma argues that high prices are necessitated by the needs of research and development for the various drugs they make. However, a new study from the House Oversight and Reform Committee detailed how between 2016 and 2020, 
Pharmaceutical companies spent $56 billion more on stock buybacks and dividend payments than research. In other words, they spent $56 billion more on funneling cash to big-time Wall Street investors than developing new drugs. So, shows where the profits from the sky-high prices are really going. Pretty good racket they've got there. So when you think about it, no surprise, they're willing to spend more than any other industry to keep it going. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 